Welcome to Hashtags and Stilettos with Sakita Holly, the podcast that's like having your own personal publicist in your pocket, sharing business, lifestyle, and PR tips on demand. If you're talking about this episode online, use the hashtag Hashtags and Stilettos and tag me at Miss Success, that's M-I-S-S Success, on both Twitter and Instagram. On today's episode, I'll be talking about some epiphanies I've had over the last year regarding how I've been playing small and ultimately making myself invisible and getting in the way of my own goals. Before I jump into the convo, I want to remind you that if you ever have any questions or if there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show, you can always shoot me an email at hashtags at hos-pr.com. So let's get into it. So I've been really thinking a lot about this concept of playing small and dimming one's own light. I'm always encouraging my friends and I'm encouraging everyone who listens to this podcast to be your best self, ask for what you want, stalk your dreams, position yourself for success, etc, etc. So it's like, I know the blueprint, but I realized that I wasn't always following it myself. And it really became more obvious to me in how I play small in my own life over the last year. So what I want to do on this episode is walk you through five ways or times that I found myself dimming my own light and how I either corrected it or planned to avoid engaging in that same behavior going forward. I wanted to talk about this particular topic because I know that this is something that so many of us struggle with and have to unlearn. Like we were taught to keep our head down and just focus on your work and you'll be recognized for it. Or we were taught that if you build it, they will come. Or we were taught, you know, not to put too much emphasis or attention on yourself, etc. And while those lessons may have been a, may have been beneficial or even practical for previous generations, they're also very much rooted in the process of dimming one's own light and making yourself invisible. Today, we live in a world where people believe what they see. So if we're hiding the best parts of ourselves, what we show becomes the story. Few people or companies or bosses are willing to really do the work to uncover or discover the best talent, the best partner or person for an opportunity. So if we're not shining a light on ourselves or sharing our brilliance out loud or positioning ourselves for the things that we want, there's a good chance that we'll never get them. So by sharing my story about the ways that I've played small, I hope that you'll begin to recognize your own patterns of making yourself invisible so that you can begin to make adjustments um, that you to make the adjustments that you need to make in order to fully become the person you were destined to be. And so that you can begin to seize the opportunities that you say that you want. So the first way that I notice that I make myself invisible is by convincing myself that I don't deserve something that I've earned or by being uh, self-conscious or self-deprecating about my success in, in any realm or like shape, form, or fashion. So last year, 
I attended My Leaks My Taught You retreat, right? She reached out a few weeks before the event and she asked if I wanted to go. I think somebody had dropped out. So I said yes. And then as, as I was looking up flights to Mexico, I found a decent first class ticket. So I booked it. No big deal, right? <laughs> so the day of the trip arrives and I know that I'm going to likely see a bunch of people that I know. I'm flying out of New York. There's a lot of people, movers and shakers in New York. And for some reason, I became really self-conscious about the fact that I was flying first class. Now, it was not my first time flying first class. I don't fly first every time I travel. Um, But I'm I'm also aware that this doesn't really make much sense. But hear me out, right? So in my mind, I come up with this story like if anyone mentions that I'm flying first class, I'll just jokingly say, well, you know, I have a ton of sky miles to kind of minimize the fact that I was there. Why? I don't really know why, but that's, that's where my head was at, right? Okay, flight goes off without a hitch. I did end up seeing people that I know. It was all good. However, we land And as we're waiting to be transported to the hotel, a woman that I know in the industry who has, she has the purest heart ever. Like she's just one of the nicest people. She walked up to me and she was like, hey, did I see you in first class? And I was like, yes. And then she goes, oh, I thought so. And I was like, oh, she travels a lot. So she probably used her miles to get that seat. My first thought was, oh, shit. (laughs) because mind you right that was going to be my line that I was self-deprecatingly going to say if somebody asked about me being in first class which by the way I didn't use miles for but as soon as I got off the plane someone actually said it to me the exact way I thought it right so you know what that was that was God immediately showing me how ridiculous I was being. And it was also a reminder that if somebody wants to dim your light or knock you down a peg, they don't need your help. And again, the woman who said this to me has the purest heart. So I didn't take it personal. But it was also a sign that in her mind, she needed to come up with some kind of qualifier as to why I was in first class and she wasn't. So the lesson here is Don't be ashamed of shit that you have earned. And I use this simple story, but it's like we have so much shame for so many things and it shouldn't be the things that we've worked super hard to get or to be able to do. I paid for that seat in cash and it's not a big deal. Like this is not, it's it's not a story, right? But for some reason, I was self-conscious and I was planning to play it down if it came up in conversation. No matter where you are in your life, someone somewhere will try to shame you for the choices that you make or for how you choose to live your life. And that's not a burden that you have to carry or be self-conscious about. It seems super simple, but the flight situation was such an eye-opener for me and really kicked off my thought process to figure out other ways that I've been downplaying things or making myself invisible 
Um, because I was just, it, it made me interrogate myself. Because why did I need to come up with a story about why I was sitting in first class? Like, why did I need to do that, right? So as I began thinking, um, I, I discovered that the second way or another way that I tend to make myself invisible or dim my own light had a lot to do with my appearance and the fact that I'm not necessarily pressed about having the latest or most fashionable bag or clothes, right? So I'm someone that prides myself in not really caring so much about those things. But remember earlier when I said that in this day and age, people believe what they see, so what you show them becomes the story? Now, I'm not out here saying I'm looking crazy because I know how to pull it, pull it together. But for more than a year, right, I had this leather black bag. She was from Zara. She was kind of cute, you know, just a regular everyday bag. I, and I carried it every day. <laughs> I don't know if you're supposed to carry your everyday bag every day, but I carried her every day. I mean... I would carry my laptop in it, everything I needed. I would travel with it. It was great. However, because I used it so frequently, it became a little raggedy. But I kept carrying it because, again, I don't care about those things, remember? So I'm carrying my little bag. No big deal. But from time to time, people might comment like, I think it's time to get a new bag, sis. And I'm like, man, whatever, you know, because I don't care to bet. It works for me. And again, I don't care about those things, right? But at the same event, I listened to a talk by Kalana Barfield-Brown, who if you've ever seen her, you know that she is one of the flyest people on this entire planet. And she was talking about how she navigated her career in the very white world of publishing and that one of the things that she realized that helped her, aside from her skills and her work ethic, was having a very distinct look and making sure that regardless of her budget, she was always the best dressed person in the room, period, right? And as I was listening to her, I thought about how I always tell my clients how important appearance is as it relates to perception, and here I was not even taking my own advice because I'm walking around with this raggedy ass bag that I would never allow any of my clients to be seen with in public. So I made the decision literally right then and there that as soon as I got back to New York, I'm not even going home first. I'm going straight to the store and I'm going to buy a new purse. And that's exactly what I did. Like the new, the new bag, you know, she's cute. It's black, understated, whatever. Um, but I treated myself to, you know, something a bit nicer than before. Uh, the new bag is long chomp. But the lesson here is that, and what I had to remember, and I'm, I'm a publicist, I'm in PR. So I know this and I make sure that I impart this wisdom on my clients, but I wasn't taking it myself. The lesson here is that appearance matters. And especially if you're a black woman or a black man. Like all you need to do to confirm this is think about how you were treated when you were dressed 
amazingly when you were dressed to the nines, right? And then think about how you might have been treated when you or or even overlooked on days where you may have gone out dressed down or a bit more comfortably, right? And think about how you view people who you see that are dressed really well and the assumptions that we make based on what we see. And no, I'm not telling you to go out and get an expensive bag or to splurge on anything, but to just make sure that you look your best, whatever that means for you, because it matters, right? So if you're out here looking like a boss, there's a good chance that people will approach you like you're the boss. So the third thing that um, I have had a bad habit of doing um, that you know, in in ways that I play small, is that not believing that I deserve the seat that I have at, at any particular table or that I don't deserve sometimes to be in the rooms that I'm invited into. Now, I know that that's not true, but sometimes I forget, right? And this one is pretty self-explanatory because if any any of you that are listening may deal with like self-doubt and imposter syndrome. I know you're probably like, mm-hmm, I do that too, girl. That's me. I do that. Well, I'm here to remind you and to lovingly tell you to stop. In order to stop playing small, we have to stop questioning our greatness. We have to stop questioning our brilliance we have to stop questioning our god-given gifts and start accepting them start accepting them start accepting them and i'm saying that over and over because i need to hear that and one way that i've been trying to combat those thoughts of like self-doubt and not thinking i deserve to be at a table or in a room Um, is that when an opportunity presents itself, I try to say yes more quickly. And as long as it's something that's aligned with my purpose or my skill set, and it's something that I actually want to do, I've begun to commit, right? Commit immediately before I can ruin the moment with my own negative thoughts. And then once I'm committed, I'm in there. So the lesson here is to believe and know that you've earned your place at the table. And if you're not quite at that believing stage just yet, commit and rise to the occasion. The fourth way (laughs) that I have found myself playing small is by not even pitching or positioning myself for opportunities simply because I don't think I'll get them, right? And this is rejection committee thinking. I did a whole episode about it, y'all. Like, it's episode 12. The episode is Stop Talking Yourself Out of Shit. If you haven't listened to it ever, or if you haven't listened to it in a while, and you might want to, after this one, go listen to episode 12. So I have a whole episode about why we need to stop talking ourselves out of stuff, right? And yet... I still sometimes fall into this trap myself where I don't even put my name in the hat for opportunities. 
in episode 12, I remember saying that if someone wants to tell you no, they don't need to, they don't need your help to do it. And it's just like earlier when I said, if someone wants to dim your light, they don't need your help. So we shouldn't be concerning ourselves with an outcome that hasn't and likely won't happen. And we should be fully committed to going after everything that we think should have our name on it in all the things that we want in life. Like in 2019, we, we are off this playing small thing. Okay. We, because it doesn't serve us, right? Like we not pitching ourselves cause we don't think we going to get it. Who told us to think <laughs> like, like that? Who told us to doubt ourselves? Who, who told us and who taught us to focus on that energy instead of the energy of, oh, I know I'm going to get this, right? I know I'm going to get get invited into this room or position our, in our, positioning ourselves to be invited, right? In 2019, like, we're not working for the rejection committee anymore. We raising our hands. We sending those pitch emails. We negotiating better deals and opportunities. We're asking people to keep us in mind for things, to add us to their shortlist for consideration. This is the year it has to be, right? Because we've been doing this a long time. This is the year that we just got to go for it. And if they say no, that's cool. We're just going to move on to the next thing. We're not going to be phased or paralyzed by the no's anymore. In fact, we're just going to take the lesson and apply it to the next thing. This year, nothing is going to stop us. Not even ourselves. So, the fifth and and the final thing that I'll say, I mean, clearly, I've really been thinking about this a lot, and I, I could go way beyond five, five ways that I've noticed I've been playing small, but the fifth and final way is that I realized, and this one, this is a big one for me, is that I realized that I was allowing my comfort zone to prevent me from reaching my goals. Now... I realize that I've done all that I can do at the level where I am. At the same time, as opportunities pour in that would propel me to new heights or that would put me in front of new faces or new, you know, new opportunities or position me for things that could take me really just, I mean, to so many amazing places I, t- I was turning these things down, right? Because they would require me to venture outside of my comfort zone. This includes not doing certain speaking gigs or any or any event or thing that would require me to be seen in, in person or on camera in any significant kind of way. I'm a low-key private person and I, I'm not somebody who craves the spotlight. And if, like real talk, if I didn't have to be on social media for my business, um, y'all would probably never hear from me. But through doing this podcast and through the work that I do with my PR firm, 
I've had to come to terms with the fact that my purpose, not my passion, or not the things that I like to do, but my purpose, this this feeling, this thing, this urge that I get in my gut, this thing, this knowing that I have in my head, where it's like, why is this in my mind? Why do I feel compelled to do certain things? That That's when you know it's kind of more of a purpose than a passion, when regardless of how you feel, that thing is there, right? That my purpose, I had to come to terms with the fact that my purpose is aligned with visibility and a ton of other things that make me supremely uncomfortable. So I have a choice. I can choose to stay comfortable and uh, stay where I am. Or I can accept that my gifts are my gifts. And I can take a leap of faith knowing that God would not have given me these things or placed these things within me if I also wasn't given the equipment to handle everything that might come with it. And that's kind of heavy, right? Because it's like I'm resisting, I'm resisting. But it's like if it's God or if it's something that just won't let go, right? It's like. The big lesson is I have to stop resisting the direction that my life and my work is taking me. And to take a leap and remember that everything that we want is on the other side of fear and on the other side of our comfort zones. So, and I'm sharing this, I'm sharing all these things. This is kind of, this was like a very personal process for me to just really figure out okay well why aren't you where you want to be or why haven't why hasn't this thing happened for you yet or why hasn't that happened right and I wanted to share it with you because I hope that you can take the lessons that I've learned and that I'm learning because this is a constant practice and use them to assess how you may be playing small in your own life so that you can start to unlearn and undo some of that behavior. Because in the wise words of Oprah, we are too smart to be the only thing standing in our way. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Hashtags and Stilettos. If you're talking about this episode or sharing it online, make sure you tag me at Miss Success, that's M-I-S-S Success, and use the hashtag, hashtags and stilettos, so I can share your comments.